0: super talk mississippi media production
1: taylor swift is coming to new orleans and margaritaville resort biloxi and super talk are giving away a free pair of tickets for your chance to win go register now at margaritaville resort biloxi and get your name in for the final drawing from margaritaville and super talk 103.1
2: howdy howdy it's rhino here and i wanted to say thank you for listening to middays with gerard gibbert here on super talk mississippi
3: Everyone and welcome to midday super talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbard, along with Rhino in the Element Wealth Studio, guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music. Morning Rhino, howdy, howdy. Well, I appreciate Dave uh, filling in uh, yesterday, and what an eventful weekend it has been since we were last together on the air. For the Sanderson Farms Championship, that was last Friday, of course. Really enjoyed being out at the Country Club of Jackson. What an incredible finish to the tournament! That was really something. Um, certainly a little suspense there to give the with the playoff to give the the fans uh, something of interest for sure. We appreciate the PGA Tour being in town, but then of course all hell is broken loose with the Hamas attacks on Israel. That clearly is dominating the news cycle, not only in this country, but across the world. Most disturbing, in my view, is the protest across this nation, particularly on college campuses, the Ivy League, Harvard, showing support for the Palestinians for the terrorists 31 Harvard organizations have declared that the murders rapes kidnappings and other human atrocities committed by Hamas are not their fault they say they are entirely the fault of Israel folks Academia in this country is broken, big time. That is ground zero for all of this rhetoric, for all this nonsense. 31 organizations. Incredible.
2: Welcome to the brain-dead, emotion-led logic of liberals. It's despicable.
3: It really is. Even Larry Summers, a Harvard graduate... Former president of Harvard, worked in the Clinton administration, said he was sickened by the institution's lack of response after student groups are blaming Israel. I tell you, Rhino, it's this incumbency. These are students that are going to an $80,000 a year university that don't have to worry about food, shelter, security, safety, They're more obsessed with protesting. All in the name of stupid-ass political correctness. Political correctness kills. That's exactly what's going on. Yesterday, goofy old Robert Reich, he takes to to, uh, Facebook, to social media, media, no mention of what's going on in Israel. Oh, he's all upset about Columbus Day. He posts, today is Indigenous Peoples Day. Please remove Columbus Day from your vocabulary. May this year be the last we even have to make this distinction. That's what he's concerned about. Make no mistake, in my view, that epitomizes what is wrong, what is awry in this country. You see, to people like Reich and these other folks out in the streets and on college campuses that are protesting, showing support for the Hamas terrorist. to them, crazy as it is, words do more harm than bombs. Think about it. Absolutely apoplectic about Columbus Day and a number of other words such as improper use of pronouns and misgendering that just sends them into orbit. But as far as beheading babies, which we're now learning has occurred. Have you seen the videos gone viral of children locked up in cages? By these savages? Where the hell's AOC? Didn't she go down to the border? It was crying the feigned tears. Remember that?
2: She went to a parking lot and stood next to a fence and hoped people thought she went to the border.
3: What a fraud. Where are you now? And now we're learning that Rashida Tlaib, a member of the United States House of Representatives, has been displaying a Palestinian flag.
2: Well, the ultimate irony there is it's displayed next to a rainbow flag.
3: Oh, my gosh. Well, what do the Palestinians think about the LGBTQ people?
2: Uh, They usually hog time and throw them off the tallest building they can find. These people are sick. I'm embarrassed for... I've been saying it for forever now. If you vote Democrat, if you have a liberal mindset, you are dumber than a bag of hammers.
3: It's it's disgusting. And John Kirby, yesterday, from the State Department, he was talking about climate change again. And Joe Biden, he put a lid on the day early on, right? Where's the American president? In a time where our most faithful, valuable ally, arguably the only one, truly, in the Middle East, is under siege And we're not talking about their military. We're talking about innocent civilians. I heard a report on the way in about the finding of a slain mother in the street. (sighs) Expectant mother, I should correct that. With the fetus laying outside of the mother, it was extracted by these savages laying outside of the mother, still attached via the umbilical cord. And they're celebrating it. These are some sick people, man. This is moral depravity. This is, but yet, we have people in this country, in our Congress, on college campuses, conducting workshops in corporate America, telling people how evil and wicked this country is, yet this country affords them the opportunity to spew that crap.
2: You do that in another country, you're done. They love to throw around the phrase decolonization. That is an example of decolonization.
3: Correct. Good point. They love that word. Deep,
2: Colonization brought civilization to savages.
3: Unbelievable. Signage,
2: but they didn't learn that in history class because they got brainwashed instead of educated.
3: It's and it's happening across this country. It it's it's despicable, honestly. They're poisoning the minds of young people, thus the thirty-one organizations at Harvard, not one word denouncing Hamas and the terrorist attacks. Not one word coming from Harvard.
2: How is it both Playboy and John Fetterman could put out better statements than anybody in the entirety of Harvard? That's true.
3: You know, you're so right about the decolonization connection because this sort of fancy academic jargon. It's really not what academia should be doing, which is being curious and promoting intellectual research, analysis, intellectual exercising. You have bodies in the streets with babies laying next to them, still connected via the umbilical cord, that is decolonization. I'm sick of that term. I really am. They've held it up to be so virtuous. It's not. There's nothing virtuous about locking up children in cages. That's what they're doing. That is evil on display. There ain't no doubt about it. I'd like to see presidents of these higher ed institutions where these enclaves of anti-Israel organizations exist and are protesting, I'd like to see them denounce such. But they're not. This woke insurance crap, spineless, to speak up against and out against evil is outrageous. We're stepping aside for a break right now. We've got Professor Ron Richlack coming up at 10.35. He is from the Ole Miss Law School, going to talk about sports gambling, mobile sports gambling, and then Sally Doty of Beam at
0: 12.20. Middays with Gerard What? What? This is so awesome. On Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Welcome back, everyone. It's midday Super Talk, Mississippi. We're in the Element Well studio. Again, Professor Ron Richlack, distinguished professor of law, and the Jamie L. Witten, Chair of Law and Government. He's also a faculty athletics representative at the Ole Miss uh, at Ole Miss, and also, of course, on the faculty of the law school, co-author of Gaming and Gambling Law, Cases, Materials, and Problems. He'll be joining us in the next segment. He's uh, studying the prospect of mobile online sports betting in Mississippi. At 1220, Sally Doty, former state senator, now the director of the Mississippi Office of Broadband Expansion and Accessibility, BEAM, the acronym, representing that. She'll give us an update uh, from the BEAM office and discuss the new broadband projects underway and completed in the state of Mississippi. So Larry Summers says, the silence from Harvard's leadership so far, coupled with a vocal and widely reported student group's statement blaming Israel solely, has allowed Harvard to appear at best neutral towards acts of terror against the Jewish state of Israel. More than 30 groups at Harvard signed a, quote, joint statement by Harvard Palestine solidarity groups on the situation in Palestine, and in that they held the Israeli regime, quote, entirely responsible for all the unfolding violence, and that the Hamas attack did not occur in a vacuum. Now, let me be clear here, I fully support these students' right to express their views and opinions and engage in any sort of redress activity, protest, et cetera. Fully support that.
2: but Even though they don't support yours.
3: Right. That's the point. It's a double standard. Now, if someone on this campus, if there were even one person that made some statement that went against the current trajectory of critical race theory, or radical gender ideology, maybe even climate change, which those, of course, comprise the three pillars undergirding the Democrat party. It's race, it's climate, it's gender. That's it. And where are those connected? Marxism. That's all about it. But if one student on the campus said something negative, about any of that i'm quite sure hell would rain down on them from the president from the administration that's the problem i have you see in their world free speech only applies to the speech that they like that they support that they sanction that with which they align that's the problem Colleges and universities are supposed to be the laboratories of free expression and thought. Not anymore. It's only free on one side. So I support their right. And like you said, righto, that's the difference between me and them. They don't support my right. You know what would happen? You would be immediately escorted to the bias response team. Because every one of these damn colleges have a group of people who are grossly overpaid that investigate this kind of stuff. Oh, but when it comes to showing their support for terrorists, have we gotten to this point, seriously, where, where words seem to have a higher value to these people than bombs and bullets and heinous acts on human life? Seems like it. They can't get past it. That's what I object to. And I think all rational, clear-thinking Americans do. Now, the good news is, this is a fraction of the population, and you've probably seen, there have been some clashes in the streets, even in New York, between pro-Israel and pro-Hamas groups. But some of the stuff that is being spewed, the rhetoric, by these students for justice in Palestine, where they're endorsing terrorism and, quote, dismantling Zionism, and they plan a day of resistance. They are literally celebrating, taking great pride in the snuffing out in a most brutal and barbaric fashion Human life. And you know what the ultimate cowardice is? It's civilians. Civilians. Big deal. You bust up into a a residence. Reports now of children being found in residences alive, thank God, with parents assassinated, brutalized. And this is what these people support? This is what Rashida Tlaib, member of the U.S. House of Representatives, condones? It's a problem. It's a big problem. And I'm pulling for Israel. And thus far, I don't think Israel has asked for any sort of support from this country in the way of... Military aid intelligence is it that I've heard of. By the way, where was our intelligence? Why didn't they detect this? Have some forewarning? How did, What's up there?
2: Uh, there were reports that Israel missed intelligence that Egypt was trying to supply them, that something, quote-unquote, big was coming.
4: Hmm.
3: Well, soldiers now in Israel are reporting unspeakable horrors. In Gaza. Now, some 4,500 rockets have been unleashed on this residential area in the Gaza Strip. 1,600 people have been killed. That's the latest numbers. About 900 in Israel. You know by now, Prime Minister of Israel Benjamin Netanyahu says Israel is at war, called for a massive military response carried out on the holiday of Simchat Torah. Forty babies were massacred by Hamas terrorists. What kind of human beings kill babies like that? Murder babies? I, I can't even comprehend it, honestly. And again, I don't know if folks have seen the video of showing toddlers in cages... Looks like cages for for dogs, built for dogs, stacked up like kennels. They're putting human babies in them. I can't comprehend it. They're butchering residents. Absolutely butchering. Soldiers say, quote, you see the babies, the mother, the father, in their bedrooms, in their protection rooms, and how the terrorists killed them. It's a massacre. That's from Major General Itai Barov. Incredible that this is even happening. And there just feels like there's a connection to the Holocaust. Many people still are defiant about that even having occurred, which blows me away. Really incredible. It's sad days beheading babies. There are uh, still photos of Israeli soldiers comforting each other in the streets there. In Gaza, where they're discovering beheaded babies. What kind of people behead babies? Oh, you're a real brave person to behead a baby. Unbelievable. They're going house to house, are the soldiers, to retrieve civilian bodies, putting them in body bags. uh, Incredibly sad. I've been following Barry Weiss, B-A-R-I-W-E-I-S-S, writes for, I believe it's called the Free Press, yes, And, uh, man, she is so brilliant, so articulate, and honestly so composed. I don't know how she can do it. And so calm in her reports on this. And, you know, she made a great point right now this morning. She said right after the George Floyd incidents that college presidents across this country were filling up everybody's inboxes with all kinds of statements denouncing, condemning the event. On this, crickets. Unbelievable. So hypocritical. Such a double standard. We're coming right back with Professor Ron Richlack. Stay with us.
0: Attention, adoring fans! It's time for Middays with Gerard Gibbert. On Super Talk, Mississippi.
4: Sorry. Well,
2: now me and Homer Jones and Big John Pally had a big crap game going back in the alley. And I kept rolling them seven and <laughs> winning all them parts. My luck was so good I could do no wrong. I just kept on rolling and controlling them bone. Finally, they just threw up their hand and said,
3: When you hide. Welcome back, everyone. It's middays. We are live in the Element Well studio. We welcome to the program now the distinguished professor of law and the Jamie L. Witten chair of law and government, distinguished professor Ron Richlack. Good to see you again, professor. Hey, Gerard. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I uh, just want to start off by thanking you for allowing me to come up and uh present to the gaming law class yesterday. I was quite impressed with the students, uh, their engagement, their knowledge, uh, their interaction. The questions were great. Uh, Good group. I think you guys are going to make some good lawyers up there there out of those folks.
5: Well, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming up and sharing your knowledge about the uh, Mississippi Lottery. We have uh, some really good students, and it's a fascinating area of law. People always. Kind of thing. Really, you teach about gambling law, but if you think about it, it's highly regulated industry, one of the most important in our state, uh, and there's fascinating law and and history uh, throughout uh, throughout the existence of of mankind, basically, because because gambling goes back to our earliest recorded history.
3: Yeah. Incredible, and and you've got such a a rich history and understanding uh, of uh, gaming from a legal perspective, and that's why you have been appointed as a member of a state committee, which is studying the prospect of legalizing mobile online sports betting in the state of Mississippi. Help us understand, first, Professor what is available now? We do have some limited form of mobile sports betting now. Tell us about that.
5: Well, uh, the Supreme Court made it possible for states to legal other than Nevada, to legalize uh, sports betting in 2018. Uh, and Mississippi casinos were able to start accepting bets at that time. But if, we, if you are aware of other states around us, a lot of them, Tennessee for instance, uh, have uh, uh, you can bet on your phone, so it's an app-based thing. Uh, and uh, casinos run them, and, and some some independent uh, things like FanDuel and DraftKings run them. Uh, and uh, there are bets throughout the game. We don't have that statewide. Right now, if you're on the grounds of a casino, you can have that kind of betting uh, in Mississippi. But the uh, there's a lot of demand for requests for, and there's a lot of concern about as well. Um, it's taking it to the level that we have in, in so many other states where you can you can bet on your phone um, and and if we're going to do that we're going to try and do that right i know you talked about the mississippi lottery we have experience of watching a lot of states that went ahead of us i think we're going to try and take advantage of seeing the states that went ahead of us and avoid some of the the pitfalls that they've fallen they've gone into
3: Yes. Yeah, so presently, uh, mobile um, electronic sports betting is available, but only if the person placing the bets is on casino property. That's what we allow today. But what you guys are looking at is the possibility of extending that and allowing someone to place a bet on a mobile basis
5: from anywhere, correct? That's right. And, uh, you know, that's uh – People who like to gamble on, on, on football and such uh, think would like that, a lot of one. On the other hand, there's a lot of concern about that, and uh, there are risks associated with that. This allows for prop betting. This allows for betting while the game is in play, uh, and that can be dangerous
3: while it's in play. Okay, yeah, because sometimes it, you'll even be presented right with options like is this you, what are the odds or are you or are you wanting to place a bet, you could place a bet for example on uh, a field goal being made versus being missed or a touchdown being scored at a certain point during the game. Isn't that correct?
5: That's that is correct. Uh, you know, will the team uh, make a first down here? Will they score on this drive? How many passes. Will a particular receiver catch? Uh, that would be more of like a game-long thing, but you could bet You know, what will they do in the third quarter. Uh, and so there's a lot of ongoing stuff. And even um, I didn't really, I'm kind of surprised I hadn't thought about it, but you know, if you bet on the game and it looks like your team's going to win or lose, you can actually cash in your bet before the game's over uh, based upon the odds that exist at that moment in the game. <laughs> so there's a lot of options uh, but with options come risk to problem gamblers, and, and we all know that exists.
3: So so tell us about that then, uh, Professor. What, what do you uh, deem as the risks should this be legalized in Mississippi? What do we need to be on the lookout for?
5: Well, as we've seen across states, uh, problem gambling does go up as sports gambling Uh, Evolves and especially as app-based sports betting takes place, yeah, we've seen a lot more calls to you know one eight hundred gamble those kind of programs, and we've seen probably uh, one of the things I guess that we're concerned about here is it's young men, age twenty-one to thirty or so. I mean, a lot of college-age men in particular uh, who follow sports are very into sports. Want to want to feel like they're supporting their team. even though betting really isn't about supporting your team, it's yeah, it, 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 it's it's uh, not that at all. But uh, they get caught up in things, and and you know, I mean, forty years ago, I knew a guy who had a gambling problem while I was in law school. Um, and today, the risks are just better. There's going to be more stuff there and more risk associated. So, as we as the legislature, of Mississippi, looks at this and decides whether to do it, because it's not a foregone conclusion that they sure. will do it. Sure. But as they position things uh you know can we do can we take actions can we limit things can we put things in such a way that it will minimize the risks
3: yeah and of course i I think we could expect there would be some objection on the part of the casinos correct who are currently benefiting from the fact that if one wants to uh uh, once one wants to engage in sports betting they need to go to a casino and do that and and typically they're going to spend money on other things while they're there as well
5: well, absolutely, and it's interesting. There's some casinos who think that they can use this effectively to draw business uh, into the casino. There are others who feel like, hey, we've put up infrastructure, we've built a hotel, we've created a lot of jobs, and now you're going to have uh, a, a, an Internet company come in and take away all our business, and that's very unfair. Yeah. And so there, there's a divide among casinos. So tell
3: us about this committee that you're on. Who, who formed this committee? And uh, who appointed uh, members to it?
5: Well, uh, it's a legislative committee. Uh, from the, the two state uh, houses um, uh, put it to get together. I, I was contacted by Delbert Hoseman, the okay. lieutenant governor, uh, and uh, he asked me if I'd be willing to serve. And then, then uh, that was passed on to the legislature, I guess, where my official letter came from, okay. uh, David Blount. Is uh, I think who I got the letter from, uh, and who, by the way, also he zoomed with my class and did a great job uh, talking about um, the legislative side of of this whole matter. Okay, and um, so we, yeah, so so the, the, there's a good mix of people, and I think I I think um, I was put on. In fact, I saw Delbert the other day and um, at, the, at the football game. And he said he put me on because I, I don't really have an agenda. I'm not coming from an angle, and I'm really not. I mean, my angle would be to try to make sure that our students and our student athletes, because uh, I am uh, the faculty athletic rec, chair of our athletics committee, so I'm right. very concerned about the impact that gambling can have on uh, uh, college athletics. And so, but, but I don't really have an agenda to, to get it or to get rid of it either way.
3: Understand, and we should point out for our audience, Senator David Butts has been on, on this program many times uh, from the South Jackson area, a Democrat, and serves as the chairman of the gaming committee in the state Senate. And that's why, uh, obviously, he's involved in this. So do you have a sense, uh, Professor, on, on kind of where the legislature is is leaning on this? Have you heard anything? They're for it. They're against it. They're not Sure
5: well one um, what, what i think has been openly stated at the task force the first task force committee meeting that i attended uh is that they expect there to be a bill that will come out okay and whether it will pass or not i have i have you know no particular clue about and there are strong uh, uh supporters and strong objectors yeah uh so I'm I'm not a politician. I'm a a professor. (laughs) It's a
3: controversial issue, and you would expect that you would kind of break down like that, folks that have strong opinions on on both sides of this matter. On the other hand, my gut feel is that the casinos who are presently operating in the state and doing a lot of good for the state's economy um, have a strong lobby that are going to come out against this, obviously. So it, um, it just depends. I know a lot of Citizens, on the other hand, that would like to see this happen.
5: Well, you know, gambling in general is, is such an interesting topic because it doesn't fall neatly between liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican, yeah. however you want to do it. There, there are there are objections on, on both sides and there are reasons to support. I remember years ago there was a hearing down in uh, uh, Biloxi. Uh, about whether to expand. And just within the Catholic Church, the bishop was against it. The Catholic social service group was in favor of it because it created jobs at a, at a you know, entry level. I get it. <laughs> Professor,
3: really appreciate you coming on and explaining this to us. I'm sure we'll be uh, covering this a bit more as well and look forward to seeing you again. Again, uh, appreciate you having me up yesterday. Really enjoyed that.
5: Thanks. Well, yeah, thank you so much for that. And anytime I can I can return the favor, please don't hesitate.
3: Yes, sir. Thank you. We're coming right back with more from the Element Well studio.
0: Come on, come on. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. All right, we are back on Super Talk, Mississippi.
3: subject of gambling, the lottery, Um, this is the second year that Professor Richlack has invited me to address his gaming law class. Uh, The professor has written a lot about uh, gaming, and and that really stems from getting his start working for Bally's a long time ago. Those are the folks that, that are heavily involved in the gaming industry, one of the first in the country maybe the world, uh, manufacture slot machines and the like, pinball machines, all sort of stuff like that, uh, big outfit, uh, but he's brilliant, and he, he understands uh, that area of law quite well, and I'm honored that he asked me to come up and uh, present an overview of the Mississippi Lottery Corporation. Uh, the students are, are smart, impressive, and ask great questions and were very interactive. I was surprised, Rhino, that uh, many of them had reviewed the act, the Clark Act. It is a long bill. I carry it around in a three-ring binder when I was serving as kind of the de facto spokesperson for the lottery before we ever hired a president, and that was nine months or so. And, And you can imagine after the law passed, there was a lot of interest in it. You know, what does this mean? How's this going to work? Etc. All valid in the in the in the media had an insatiable appetite for it, and I was honored to um, provide information and answer questions. So I carried that law around just in case I'd get asked something that I needed to refer to it. It's uh, it is quite a long document. I'm told it may be the longest bill ever uh, passed in the state history, and and it's. I think the reason is fairly straightforward there it's because it's a it's a bill that essentially defines how a $500 million company is going to be established and that's uh, that's pretty involved especially when you think about the just sort of the unique structure as an instrumentality of the state it is not a state agency that's one of the first Distinctions that I make any time I'm presenting about the Mississippi Lottery Corporation, in particular, that's of interest to to law students, because that's not the case in all states. There are 45 states that have a lottery, five do not. And in many, if not most states, the lottery is a state agency, typically part of the Department of Revenue or the Department of Treasury. But it's a state agency, and thus its employees are public sector employees, and it is totally uh, under uh, the regulatory authority for uh, any state, a-, a similar to any state agency, so it's it's unique in that respect. It often gets referred to as the lottery commission, and it's not the the gaming commission is a a body of individuals, a board, if you will, who regulate an industry. The lottery corporation, however, is essentially the industry it is a company that is it is regulated by the law that established it the board is appointed by the governor is responsible for oversight just as a typical private sector board would uh, perform board duties uh, related to a private company. so really enjoy presenting about that but, but um, while we're on that subject there was not a winner last night. Of the Powerball, the drawing held uh, for a $1.55 billion jackpot that has now increased to $1.73 billion. Now, I know the $1.55 was the third largest in Powerball history. I'm thinking we may be close to exceeding and moving up the ranks, maybe number two in history, right? Is that where we are now?
2: Yep. It's now sitting at $1.73 billion, sitting right there at number two, still behind that $2 billion jackpot from November of 2022.
3: Wow. So the way the, um, the, the multi-state lottery associations, what it's called, that operates Powerball and Mega Millions, the, the way um, the system determines the amount of to increase the jackpot is really just based on the amount of play. Uh, The more people play, there's all kinds of behind-the-scenes mathematical calculations that figure out. And it could be adjusted slightly between now and then, just depending on the number of tickets sold um, across the 45 states that participate in the Powerball and Mega Millions. So it's on up there, and, you know, if we don't have a winner uh, tomorrow, which is the next drawing and then the subsequent drawing would be Saturday, I believe. Is it Saturday? I think so, is when it's drawn. Um, well, if we don't have a winner, we might bump it on up to number one or close thereabouts. It was t- 2 billion, right? The, the top.
2: Yes, jackpot. just over 2 billion.
3: Yeah. So, won't that be something? But the next one is tomorrow, $1.73 billion. I always ask, well, I say always. This is the second time I've made this presentation. Now, I ask the students, did anybody play? Did they buy tickets? One one person raised their hand and said they do. Interesting, huh? We're stepping aside for a break right now. It is time for Fox News and Supertalk News. It's top of the hour. Don't forget Sally Doty, the director of the Mississippi Office of Broadband Expansion and Accessibility, at 1220 today. Stay tuned.
0: And now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. That's what I like to listen to. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi.
4: Welcome
3: back, everyone. It's midday. We are in the Element Wealth studio. Are you thinking about or are planning for a retirement? Do you have a plan? Go to myelementwealth.com or call 601-957-6006 to let Element Wealth help you find your balance between income, growth, and guarantees. And later on in the program, folks, Rhino's going to give away some tickets to the Hardy and Laney Wilson concert. That's coming up. Super Talk also will be in Jones County tonight at 6 p.m. We're going to be airing the 2023 Super Talk Jones County Meet the Candidates event in Laurel, featuring several candidates running for statewide election. There you go. Um,. Harvard, I was railing on them earlier, and, you know, maybe it's on me for holding them to a higher standard. I I just believe that they should be held to one, honestly, given their academic prestige and prowess and having produced so many extremely successful Americans that have uh, produced a lot for society. Having attended Harvard, I, I worked with lots of Harvard folks uh, on Wall Street. None of them were left-wing loons, I can tell you that. And it's almost as if they had to kind of operate and function under the radar while on campus. Of course, they're blaming, if you hadn't heard, they're blaming Israel for these attacks. And there is a group at Harvard that um, is in solidarity with Palestine. In fact, there are several. and, And together they issued these Palestine solidarity groups issued a statement. Here it goes. We hold the Israeli regime entirely responsible for all unfolding violence. Today's events did not happen in a vacuum. The apartheid regime is the only one to blame, they say. Israeli violence has structured every aspect of Palestinian existence for 75 years. Palestinians have been forced to live in a state of death, both slow and sudden. What am, what am I missing there? I must not have all the context. What are they talking about? I'm not sure. I really can't figure it out. I do know that Harvard a few years ago appointed a humanist chaplain that is an atheist. Wrap your head around that, please. An atheist chaplain. Money has been pouring into these colleges for a long time that... Harbor these views, hold these views, spew this rhetoric, poison the minds of students. That's been going on for a long time. And you just feel like that it's coming home to roost, as they say. Anti-Israel, anti-American propaganda is infiltrated higher ed in this country. It's, it's um, disturbing, to say the least. You got these students for justice of Palestine. They're essentially a PR arm of Hamas. They've conducted pro-Hamas rallies. And at these rallies, you know what they chant? Gas the Jews. Does that sound familiar? Their concept of calling for a free Palestine, what that really means is let's pillage, let's plunder, let's rape, let's murder, let's terrorize, let's brutalize. That's what free Palestine means. That's exactly what it means. We should not forget And we should not look away. I know after I saw the video of the kids in the cages, I caught that early this morning when I turned over from sleeping just to check my phone to see if there was any notifications. And I caught that. I couldn't go back to sleep after watching that. I just couldn't. I couldn't comprehend How such atrocities, such barbaric behavior could be happening in this world at this time. You're aware that many Israelis were attending a concert, right? When the atrocities, when hell rained down on them. Yeah, it was a music fest for peace. And these terrorists come in and start pulling... The attendees, many of them females, and raping them in front of people, right there at the concert, and hurting and murdering and so forth. I mean, this is again, it's barbaric. It's unthinkable. It's unfathomable. I I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. Honestly, that this is, this is happening. But I've also got to say that. Are there not people in this country that are a bit complicit on this? I feel like there are. These Democrats, Socialists, the Squad and the like, and many others, they're they're pro-Palestine and anti-Israel. There's no doubt. Rashida Tlaib and her Palestinian flag in its stand right outside her congressional office, you said right next to the LGBTQ flag, right? You think she's ever hoisted or displayed the American flag? I don't think she has. She's not proud to be an American. She's quick to denounce and condemn and criticize and castigate this great country, serving in Congress, doing so. She's she's treasonous, honestly. I can't prove that, but I could at least opine it and suspect it, nothing would surprise me. Did you guys know that under Joe Biden there was a U.S. Office of Palestinian Affairs? And once they heard the news of the attacks, the State Department in almost a a Pavlovian fashion, the way a, a dog would react if you had a treat in your hand. They posted, we urged all sides to refrain from violence and retaliatory attacks. Terror and violence solved nothing. These are murderers. They're not going to stop. Honestly, I don't see a way to get them to stand down and stop pursuing further atrocities inflicted on human life. I I don't see it. They answer to no one. It's their goal is to murder the Jewish people and wipe Israel off the map. That's what they want to do. They don't try to hide it. That's their agenda. That's their objective. This is this Palestinian affairs in the State Department, that's more political correctness, virtue signaling insanity. It's incredible that our own government's first response, the State Department's part of the government, is to instruct Israel not to counter-respond I mean, how many more innocent civilians have to die before it's okay to respond, to retaliate? Unbelievable. Uh, It's incomprehensible. Oh, man. You know, does the Biden administration, do they admonish Ukraine? Do they tell them, refrain from retaliatory attacks? Because it's the same sort of terror that Putin is inflicting on their country? Or is it just Israel that deserves to be lectured by our State Department? This toxic squad, the AOC wing of Democrats, socialists, and, of course, much of the media who's in bed with them, there are other, I guess you could call them identity politics caucuses They, too, are apologists for Hamas. Are they just ignoring the slaughter of innocent life, you think? It sure feels like it.
2: Well, they got blinders on for the rest of reality. Why would that be any different?
3: It's disgusting, honestly. Uh, My heart hurts thinking about it, how people in this country could be so blind. We're coming right back in the Element Well Studio. Stay with us.
0: And now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Now, now, on to the real part. Dino Mike! On Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Welcome back, everyone. Middays, live from the Element Wealth Studio. Rhino just sent me a statement, official statement, from Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman, Senator Hoodie. <laughs> I'm a little shocked. i read what he says. We now know this was a wide-scale, premeditated, cowardly terrorist campaign against Israel, Israeli pardon me, civilians that also claimed the lives of American citizens. Good for you, Senator. Agree. Agree. The um, again, I'm just so appalled at the response from uh, so many of our our colleges, young people, and there's been, I think, a Gallup poll, Rhino, I heard about this morning. Haven't looked it up. That age uh, age range of the 20s to early 40s seem to mostly side with the Palestinians. You've got to believe that that is a direct result of the brainwashing that's been going on. These anti-American, anti-Israel, anti-Honestly, anti-Semitism that has permeated America's college campuses... Is a cause for deep concern. It's incredible, really. But it's happening. It's happening on a big scale. More so, I think, than people are aware. I read a, a tweet. Um, this was actually on the Free Press site. Julius Steinberg, in my freshman year... Great Books program at Stanford, I was denigrated as an aggrieved conservative while we were discussing Edward Said's writings. I I think, if I'm not mistaken, Edward Said was a political activist raised, uh, I believe, in Palestine and talks a lot about Israeli oppression of Palestine. Ms. Steinberg goes on to say, I said that approving all forms of violence under the banner of decolonization, exactly what you said, Rhino, was dangerous. I wonder, she goes on to say, if my classmates remember that conversation two years later. She was right. Decolonization is just some dang fancy intellectual term That means what you said. You're so right about that. It is colonization that gave us civil life. Decolonization is beheading babies, murdering innocent civilians, and then parading them around like trophies in the streets. I don't see how so many human beings could be so cruel to other human beings. I I can't comprehend it. I really can't. And again, this vision I can't seem to push out of my head of these children in cages like animals. And they're smiling about it. I've got no mercy. I really don't. God help me. We can't allow this to go on. Now, you're probably aware of what, they are like two and a half million people, I think, Rhino right in Gaza? In a very small area of land. I mean, it's very densely populated. Now, of course, water, power are problems. And Israel's now hitting Gaza with airstrikes, blockading the region. You know... If I were the Palestinians, I don't want any part of Israel. That's some tough military there, man. They know what they're doing. You know, they're so proficient, so competent, because they had to be. If they weren't, they'd already been out of here. That's just a fact. You know, before 9-11, cockpits on American commercial airliners, were not locked the way they are now. I remember even in the 90s, during flights, you could look straight up to the cockpit during certain portions of the flights. The doors were open. Now the doors are locked, locked behind the pilots. They can't even open them from the inside. Israel had already implemented such security processes and arming pilots, because they live in constant fear of the bad guys in the region who do have the goal of wiping them off the face of the planet. Unbelievable. Let me get to the ceasefire text line here. That's 601-879-4395. They haven't asked for help from us because, unfortunately, talking about Israel, I mentioned earlier that I I saw no evidence of them requesting any sort of military assistance. They're not asking for troops on the ground. I haven't seen them ask for even money or assets. Now, I do know we're supplying them intelligence, but we've always had an exchange of intelligence with Israel. All we have to offer from this administration are counselors to make them feel better. That's about right. They refuse to send our warriors to help Israel to take care of business. And I don't think that would be necessary or popular now. Honestly, I don't think boots on the ground are the right way to go. I think Israel is more than capable of taking care of themselves. They've been preparing for such for a long, long time. But the hope has always been such preparations and assets and resources and investments the tiny nation has made, would deter such attacks. But unfortunately, it did not. On the ceasefire text line, Democrats are okay with killing babies. Egypt actually wanted to share intelligence with Israel, question mark, says Dan in Hattiesburg. I believe that is
2: true. Yeah, that's what's been reported. Israel and Egypt's relations can be strained at times, but they're better than most in the region.
3: Yeah. Gary in the Berg says, conservatives need to make the suppression of free speech by the left a big deal in the upcoming elections. Red states have allowed liberals to totally dominate higher education. This is an ongoing disaster. And so I hear you, Gary, and agree, but think like they do for a second, just for a second here, to understand their viewpoints, which is... Because Ron DeSantis in Florida was successful in getting legislation passed that would not allow completely inappropriate, sexually explicit material and subject matter to be used in, oh, I don't know, second grade, he's considered a fascist that is suppressing free speech. That's exactly how they think about it. That's how upside-down things are. But as far as anyone on a college campus that might have a counter view to these pro-Palestinian groups, well, you need to go to the biased response team office, right, to get reprogrammed, receive some counseling. I don't think there's anybody on the right that's asking for safe spaces. If they are, let me counsel with them for a little bit. That's not how we function in this country. Why do we have safe spaces on college campuses? That's crazy. Unbelievable. But I hear you, Gary. I agree. And I I so firmly believe that's ground zero for the sentiments in this country like this. I really do. And it's these losers in academia. They're losers, Rhino. They can only function in that little bubble. Cannot function outside of it. And they've taken this up as a cause. Look at me. I can indoctrinate and brainwash these people like the Pied Piper.
2: It's crazy. They it never grew out of their adolescent edginess.
3: I think that's right, to a great extent.
2: Never had to. They've been coddled their entire time by the world of academia.
3: It's why I totally oppose the concept of tenure. Nobody should have guaranteed work like that. And I, I understand the original purpose of it. And by the way, those of us on the right, we're not looking to suppress their viewpoints. We just want a seat at the table to express ours. That's that's consistent with the founding of this country. There's a reason. That's number one in the Bill of Rights. You cannot have a functioning free society without free speech. And I support these idiots' right as much as I abhor it to denounce and protest Israel. I support it. But I also support the right of those with counter views to express their opinions and have the same opportunities and access to the same stages and venues and resources. Every time they go to these campuses, they get shouted down like Riley Gaines. She gets assaulted. They have to pull her off the stage at these nutcase transgender activists. We're coming right back in the Element Well Studio. Meanwhile, we got a president who's no-show. No-show Joe. Where was he yesterday? He's scheduled to speak, I think, within an hour. Can't wait to hear those remarks.
2: Oh, but they called the lid because he was busy working behind the scenes, even though they called the lid on Monday, and this all started late Friday night. Right. No-show Joe. Absent. And... Jimmy Carter
3: 2.0. Pretty much. And, And don't forget that instability in the region always brings the supply of oil into focus. And even though the left doesn't seem to accept it, we still need oil. And we are for a very long time. Despite their best efforts to completely wean this country off of petroleum... Now, OPEC's been doing some research at the same time that Joe has been depleting our strategic petroleum reserves in an effort to drive the price of gas down because he's heard that's not very popular with the people. OPEC now says that 14 trillion must be invested in new oil projects by 2045 to keep oil prices stable according to my t- calculations that's about 600 billion a year the industry hasn't invested more than 500 billion in new projects in 8 years this is squarely on the climate cult And a president who has fully embraced it. I feel like when I look at this stuff in Israel, and maybe folks will say, I'm stretching it here. Day one, 32 executive orders. Completely changing the situation at the border. For the worst, as we now know. And infusing climate change and race into every one of those dang orders. A military whose leaders believe that white rage is the biggest challenge we have to a functioning force to protect this country that has forced members of the armed services to engage in these goofy privilege walks, to attend all sorts of training and seminars and workshops where they're told that this nation is rooted in racial oppression and that it still exists in a large way today, doesn't sound like a recipe for unifying fighting force to protect this nation, or honestly, let's be honest To here, the world. Let's be clear. $14 trillion, they say, recent research. But have no fear, Joe's in charge, and he's going to figure it out for us. The Wall Street Journal had what I thought was an excellent article assessing the situation, Title of the article, Wake Up, Washington. So now you got not only Ukraine, you got Israel. They're calling for a bipartisan defense effort, is the editorial board. We now know at least 11 Americans were among the hundreds killed. I think the death toll's over that now in Israel, in Gaza. And now they're exchanging airstrikes Israel and the terrorist Hamas. And the editorial board is calling on this president to at least attempt to refrain from blabbing all sorts of contemptuous, trashing remarks about Republicans as stooges of Donald Trump, but rather show some leadership, exhibit some attempt at least to unify the country behind what should be a concerted effort to keep the planet intact. It's um, both sides. Got to get their act together. Meanwhile, Republicans are deliberating a new speaker. I don't think we're going to have one anytime soon. It's my gut feel. I don't feel like we're there yet. But this president has made all the wrong moves, I believe, which have contributed uh, to the situation in Israel, to the situation, of course, at the border, and a lot of discontent among Americans regarding their financial situation. It's just all the above. He's failed, in my view, in every area. And my concern is he's going to address the nation here pretty soon, which, of course, will be widely viewed, his response, his remarks about the situation in Israel, widely viewed across the world. I still believe wholeheartedly that the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan played a part in emboldening Hamas and the terrorist Hezbollah in carrying out these attacks? I don't think there's any doubt about that. We just look weak. And all that, I really feel like, was a selfish political gesture so that he could stand in front of the country and go bloviate that he did something Donald Trump couldn't do. He ended the war in Afghanistan, if you could call it that. It's squarely on his shoulders, in in my view. He should take responsibility for it at a time when we're the most vulnerable. He engages in really what was a vanity stunt in Afghanistan. He just wanted the talking point because it Sure was a disaster, no question about that. And then we're going to have the issue of funding, cut funding for defense, because that's what's going to be, of course, uh, considered as the, the House gets a speaker and starts discussing these spending measures for discretionary spending, of which half is defense. What's going to happen there? You want to cut spending? I get it. We're running $2 trillion deficits. Are you going to cut spending on defense? I, like most Americans, are upset that the Pentagon can't seem to account for all the assets they have acquired with the money appropriated to them, funded by the taxpayers. No doubt there's waste in military spending that... Needs to be flushed out? Absolutely. Just don't see any initiatives to accomplish that or anything wasteful in government spending. During the uh, during the lid, this is on the ceasefire tax line, the president was busy organizing the Western Western leaders to come together in 100% support of Israel. I recommend you read the joint statement by U.S., France, Germany, Italy, U.K. Sometimes working on a crisis is more important than holding a press conference about it. I totally disagree with that. Um, It's called multitasking. We have a president who's incapable of multitasking. Getting before the nation... At a time when the world appears to be a powder keg, I think it's a pretty dead gum important thing. I understand he's trying to muster some sort of comprehensive and uh, support from our allies. Okay, fine. You can do that. And you got a large staff of people, by the way, that are in mostly engaged in those activities. Your butt needs to get in front of the country even if it's for three minutes to make a statement condemning the attacks. How hard is that? Hell, even John Fetterman did it.
2: That argument would hold water if the attacks occurred late Sunday night. This started late Friday night. He had all weekend to get in touch with the leaders of the free world to try to come up with a unified front.
3: Totally agree. I mean, I, I understand the, uh, the value of, of of, uh, achieving unity among our allies in this regard, but that's not an excuse. Quit making excuses, man. It's just constant on the left. It's an excuse for everything. Spin everything. Ridiculous. Call it what it is. It's a failure on his part. It's a failure in leadership not to get his butt in front of the country, the world. He's the leader of the free world, ostensibly, Get in front of the country and the world and make a statement condemning terrorism. That ain't that hard to do. You got an army of people that can write it up for you and stick it on a teleprompter. We're coming right back.
0: You know what that means. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. We'll do it live
3: Welcome back, everyone. It's middays from the Alamut Well Studio. Don't forget Sally Doty, Director of the Mississippi Office of Broadband Expansion and Accessibility. The acronym BEAM represents that organization. We'll be on with us at 1220 to provide an update on broadband build-out in the state of Mississippi. So on the C Spire text line, where are the members from the squad from and who elects them, I believe there are eight members in the squad. Let's see, New York, Minnesota, Michigan, Texas, Missouri. Might be one from Pennsylvania, I think, is where they are from.
2: Yeah, the four founding members are AOC from New York, Ilhan Omar from Minnesota, Ayanna Presley from Massachusetts, and Rashida Tlaib from Michigan. Michigan. Followed by Jamal Bowman from New York, Corey Bush from Missouri, Greg Kazar from Texas, and Summer Lee from Pennsylvania. Okay,
3: all were under the age of fifty when elected. I, I will give it to some Democrats in the uh, in the Congress who are denouncing them, calling their reactions reprehensible and repulsive. Condemning them for equivocating on Hamas uh, terrorism, some of the stuff they said really is incredible. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and Ariana, Ayana, pardon me, Presley, call for an immediate ceasefire and de-escalation. That Israel should take no actions of retaliation. Jamal Bowman, who might be the most despicable member of the whole dang deal. He's the guy who pulled the fire alarm, right?
2: And expects everyone to believe that he was simply trying to get out the door. Horse hockey.
3: He's called on Israel to end its blockade of Gaza. Cory Bush, Democrat from Missouri said that the U.S. must end its support for the Israeli military occupation and apartheid. These people are loons, man. They're all members of the Democrat Socialist Party. They they don't try to hide it. There are eight of them. And I'm proud, honestly. I'm a little surprised to see that there are a number in their party who have uh, come out and condemned these squad members for their reactions, their statements. It's crazy, I agree though, Neil and Columbus who asked the question that they can get elected in this country. That just shows you how nutty it is, honestly. How many loons there are, unfortunately. And I still believe it kind of got its start back in the 60s, back in the hippies era. And now they're sitting in classrooms spewing this crap, brainwashing kids who come out and believe all this nonsense. It's a a problem. This is why I want and have called upon those running for president as Republicans to full-throated endorse capitalism. Because when we lose that, the rest is downhill from there. And too many people are so obsessed with what they don't have that other people have. Good grief. Quit counting other people's money. Nothing's holding you back. I don't want to hear that garbage. Did you see that some professor at Harvard just got noticed that she won uh, the Nobel Prize, I think in economics, for her work on studying the gender wage gap?
2: (laughs) The, it, must have been Slim pickings for the Nobel Committee. It's I'm virtue sure has been debunked time and time and time again.
3: A million times. Totally. And meanwhile, Joe Biden is uh, pressing forward with forgiving student loans, even though the Supreme Court already ruled. He says, when I took office, the public service loan forgiveness program had been in place for 15 years, but because of red tape. Only 7,000 borrowers had been helped. Thanks to our reforms, 715,000 borrowers have now had their debts forgiven. He presses forward. I sent you some sound. We'll get to it later on in the program. This was Joe last week uh, making some statements about the deficit. And you can't believe how badly he botched up his comments there folks we'll get to that uh after the break we got top of the hour in fact it is noon it is midday on middays we've got fox news and super talk news coming your way we're in the element well studio and we'll be right back on the other side of the break in the element well studio thank you so much for joining us it's middays the president is uh, scheduled to address the nation about the conflict the war really in israel and i'm watching a report right now that is from an israeli citizen discussing israeli soldiers coming upon these horrific scenes of human atrocity and massacre. I mean, they're forever affected. You can't unsee that. Incredible. Corey in Cleveland says, I'm curious to hear the reason for the Palestinian attacks on Israel. I know there has been a long-time conflict, but never really had a reason to remember why. I... I don't actually know, Rhino. I mean, this is uh, this has been a goal of theirs for as as long as, as the two groups have been around. I guess they have sought to eradicate Jews from the world. Uh, it's um, I don't know if it's their religious doctrine that it stems from. I, I don't know what foments the hate and uh, undergirds that goal. But that's is their goal is to kill all Jews, Jews. There's no question about that. Of course, we know that uh, Nazi Germany had that as a goal as well. I'm trying to think of the word, what's what's the word, Rhino, that describes trying to create like a pure certain race word. Uh, is case we hadn't used it in a while. Um. Now, there there is a, a word that does define that sort of activity. As soon as you say it I'll remember it, but I'll think I'm in a second. But that's what their goal is.
2: Eugenics, is that it, I know? Uh that's one avenue, yes. That's kind of what I'm thinking about.
3: But that was to some extent part of uh, the experiments, honestly. Nazis were engaged in this is a little different they just want to wipe them off the planet here eugenics is when they were trying to create perfect little nazis in that right that's what they were seeking to do is yeah the purity of the aryan race yeah breed a certain way and all that kind of crap i think is it not true that hitler wanted to be like the only dark-haired person he wanted everybody else to be blonde blue-eyed aryan except him i think that's right as i recall from history but it's a good question, Corey. I mean, thats I, I've never really seen anything other than I, I don't study their, uh, again, their religious doctrine, their culture, talking about the these terrorists. I just know that that's at least what they say. They consider Jews to be impure. You know what it's really about, right? It's money. That's, I think it's about... Land. Yeah. Well assets.
2: I mean, humans have been fighting for the land bridge that is the Middle East for thousands upon thousands of years.
3: I agree. Carol in Starkville says safe spaces equal weak citizens. I was talking about the, how that's become so, such a popular tool on America's college campuses. Crazy. Many... Let's see. Larry says, and Brandon, many Mississippi Highway Patrol troopers headed north out of Madison with lights and sirens. Any news on that? I haven't seen anything, heard anything. We'll see what we can find out there. Um, Usually when we make an announcement like that, somebody will send us a note, let us know. Probably better if Biden doesn't say anything. It'll be wrong, says Kevin in Monticello. Speaking of wrong, I sent Rhino a clip here. It's uh, pretty short. This is the president believed this was Friday, if I'm not mistaken, when he was talking about um, the economic news of the day. Here, here we go, if we got it.
1: You started your remarks here today by saying it was good news today with the economic report. Why do you think most people still don't feel positive or feel good
4: news about the economy? Well, first of all, you just heard the news today, too. They haven't heard it. I think the people, those 300-plus thousand people who got jobs feel better about the economy. Look, I've got to choose my words here. You all are not the happiest people in the world with your report. And I mean it sincerely. You get more legs when you're reporting something that's negative. I don't, mean, I don't mean you're picking on me. I'm mean just the nature of things. You turn on the television and there's not a whole lot about boy saves dog as he swims in the lake, you know, to say, you know, it's about, you know, somebody pushed the dog in the lake. Quite frankly, I'm sick and tired. Republicans in the House saying they want to cut the deficit when all they really want to do is once again cut taxes for the very wealthy and big corporations which will only add to the deficit. When I was able to cut the federal debt by $1.7 trillion over that first two years, well remember what we were talking about. Those 50 corporations that made $40 billion weren't paying a penny in taxes. Well guess what we made them pay? 30% 15% in taxes 15%. Nowhere near what they should pay. And guess what? We're able to pay for everything, and we end up with a, a actual surplus.
3: I don't even know where to start. There's so many lies in there. Did you hear the last thing he said? We ended up with a surplus. Did I Did I hear that right?
2: That's what he
3: said. It was a $2 trillion deficit. How can you be that wrong about something? You're only $2 trillion off here. That's despicable. And then he's talking about, I lowered the deficit by $1.7 trillion. No, you didn't. How many times do we have to debunk that? Even the Washington Post gave this guy bottomless Pinocchios on this matter. Because he didn't. He's run up $6 trillion of deficits since he's been in office. $6 trillion. By the end of next year, when he's out, Hopefully, he will have run up $8 trillion, more than any president in history. How can he keep lying about that? How? And on the corporate minimum tax? He's totally wrong about that. It is true that the Inflation Reduction Act did create a corporate alternative minimum tax, is what it's called. And he started out by saying it's 30%. Then he backed off and said 15 Well, 15 is right. Nowhere near what they should pay. But here's the thing that he's not telling you, folks. The IRS, by the way, still can't get this thing codified, this minimum tax, because it's so bizarre, complicated, the IRS can't figure out how to write it up. Guidance to those who prepare tax returns. And once again, we point out, this this minimum tax It simply means that he's taking away the benefit to corporations of immediate expensing and carry forwards of net operating losses. He, they just don't understand this, this complex tax stuff. And by the way, the immediate expensing doesn't evade taxes. It simply defers them. So it's not producing any additional money. It's just a now versus later. And, you know, the consequence of that is these companies don't go out and buy stuff from the people who sell it to them because they don't get to write it off. By the way, we just passed law in Mississippi to square that up, implement immediate expensing in the state of Mississippi for sort of state tax purposes. And let's let's do the math here. Let's just suppose this 40 billion, all 40 billion of the 50 corporations that did not pay any income taxes because they were writing off losses and taking advantage of immediate expensing, which means they were spending billions with small and mid-sized businesses who supply that equipment to them that they're writing off. Well, let's just say that every one of them paid taxes. 40 billion times fifteen percent. That's six billion dollars. That's a week's worth of spending. He acts like, oh that's the Holy Grail that'll fix the deficit. Look what I did. Let's see six billion two trillion. How can they just lie like that in front of people? This guy is going to run up $8 trillion, And how can you confuse deficit and debt? Did you hear that in there, too? I, I reduced the debt by $1.7 trillion. No, you didn't. You didn't reduce squat. And it's not the debt. It's the deficit. The debt continues to climb. As long as we're producing deficits, the debt goes up.
2: Comes back to my favorite Democrat dichotomy. Either they're too dumb to understand it, or they're so evil and conniving they're just going to lie to your face about it. It's not acceptable for the chief executive of this
3: country to get all this wrong like that. And he does it all the time. And to just be untruthful about this. We're coming right back with Sally Doty, the director of the Mississippi Office of Broadband Expansion and Accessibility. Stay with us.
4: Ah, It's so awesome!
0: Middays with Gerard Gibbons. Come on, let's get on with the show!
3: Welcome back, everyone. It's middays. We're coming at you from the Element Wealth Studio. We thank you for joining us. Sally Doty, Director of the Mississippi Office of Broadband Expansion and Accessibility. Acronym Beam stands for that is uh, in the Element Well Studio. Thanks for coming on there, Sally. Good to see you.
1: Great to see you as well.
3: So uh, I have to tell you that uh, your title there, at least uh, the office itself, that's a mouthful to get out in. <laughs>
1: well, that's why wanted, we got Beam. <laughs> I wanted to have a good acronym. So if you want to know the backstory to this, yeah. So I was the director at the Public Utilities Staff, <clears throat> which was the PUS. Okay, so I had a vested interest when this was in the legislature to make sure that I had a great uh, acronym. I did. We did not want it just to be the broadband office, the BO. You know. Anyway, I'll I'll leave it there.
3: Well, having worked, uh, as you know, in the IT industry, my entire professional career, uh, it was nothing but an alphabet soup of acronyms. The whole industry is like that, as you as you now know, having oh, worked my. around it so
1: goodness sometimes I will say a sentence that has all acronyms and I'm like what have I become
3: uh you know it started with IBM you know what IBM stands for don't you
1: I'm, I'm not quite sure that you what what you're gonna say
3: I've been moved
1: uh, they <laughs> used go.
3: to move their people around just at a, on a drop of a hat yeah. all the time. So uh, I've been moved. That's what
4: I've <laughs> I mean. been moved. Okay. Uh,
3: all right. So uh, how, let's start with a little background, if you will, on uh, how the, uh, the office, the BEAM office, came about. Uh, what sort of was the catalyst for that?
1: There is a tremendous amount of federal funding that is coming down for broadband expansion. And... It's going to be managed a different way, managed at the state level rather than from the FCC or from USDA, which of where our traditional broadband programs have That's been. where it started,
3: USDA. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm not sure why USDA.
1: Well, USDA has has a certain program, you know, ReConnect program that yeah. has been very active for rural areas in the state. Uh, but then, okay. you know, there was a, another large pro- program, the ARDOF program, uh, Rural Digital Opportunity Fund, and Mississippi was very uh, successful in that. It got about $420 million. That was in 2020, and and that's run by the FCC. But there were some, some issues with those programs, and at a state level – You are able to get more granular, know exactly where all the locations are, know where service is. You know, we don't want to use this federal money to overbuild service or, or, you know, we want to put it in the right place. And so there was the thought from the feds that with this money, we want it to be run at the state level with. Oversight from the feds. Uh, Believe me, they have a lot of oversight (laughs) and a lot of different uh, hoops I have to jump through. (laughs) But um, it it was thought that we wanted a state agency to handle that. and, And they really encouraged every state to stand up a broadband office. Now, a lot of states already had a broadband office, but Mississippi did not. And we came into being in the 2022 legislative session. Governor signed it into law, I believe, April 13th of that year. Yep. And we really began work uh, July 1 of 2022. Okay.
3: So the federal government, uh, and I think there's a state aspect of this as well we'll get to in a second, but the federal government allocated, appropriated a fair amount of money with the goal of being to, to really make high-speed internet access ubiquitous in this country, uh, we, we've got concentration of it in the large, um, densely populated areas. But this country has a, a lot of rural space as well, and we don't have that in Mississippi, in particular. We're a sort of a uh, dispersed population, if you will. We don't have a lot of just large cities where most of our people live. We're pretty spread out across the state of Mississippi, and that. Kind of makes it even a bigger challenge when you're trying to light it all up with high-speed internet, and it that's is. what this office all, all about. The federal government has sent money, and and the reason I said I think there's um, a piece of this that is critical from a state perspective. You may have still been in the Senate, right? When we pass legislation which allows the um, the cooperatives, the electric cooperatives, to be in the uh, internet service business. I,
1: I was the chair of the Energy okay. Committee and actually handled that bill in, in committee and on the floor. Okay. So it was very involved in in that. And really, our electric co-ops were preparing for that Ardoff Award, yeah. that, that big influx of that first bit of federal money that came down for for broadband expansion. So, yes, was very involved in it from the Senate standpoint, and then um, – After COVID, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to move over to the uh, public utility staff as the executive director there. I I left the Senate, which was very hard for me to do because I really enjoyed my time in the Senate. But at the public utility staff, in addition to uh, working with gas, electric, water, I also had the opportunity to uh, work through distribute some CARES Act funding, to co-ops and some other providers, and then our office applied for and ad- some additional federal funding that was that was out there. So, uh, you know, I've I've step by step gotten into this world <laughs> of broadband and broadband grants.
4: No,
3: you you've uh, you've gotten an education to I, some extent, haven't you? <laughs> I believe I have. I have my master's, and I'm working on my
1: PhD. Yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, all right. So, your role, the role of this office. Is really to oversee the funding as much as anything, right? So it this is. money comes down, and and somebody has to decide which projects are going to get funded, and and who's going to, uh, I guess, be the the vendors of those projects, and then you allocate the money to them. So they request. Is that the way it works? Tell us the process. It
1: is. So there are different funding streams. And so the one stream that we have been – and we're working with all of them at the same time. Sure. So the first uh, grant fund that we've been working with is the Capital Projects Fund.
3: Okay. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Pardon me. And Mm -hmm. uh, it is ARPA funding. Every state was awarded a certain amount of money. Mississippi has $162 million. And so we have just finished up that grant round. Yep. <coughs> Pardon me. I might have to get some water. Yeah. Um, so we we have just uh, completed that application process, which means we now have some decisions to make.
3: Okay. A bunch of money is coming through, and you guys got to figure <laughs> out who's going to get the money, essentially. That, that's that's that, what you're doing. That's, so that's exactly right. you're reviewing... Right. All of these uh, these requests at we, this point? We are reviewing those, okay. yes.
1: So we, um, it's as I said, it's $162 million. We yeah. are using some of that for some administrative funding to fund our office, to fund some of yeah. our mapping efforts. But we're going to give out, you know, well in excess of $155 million. Okay. Well, for that, we got $550 million in applications. So, yeah, very much oversubscribed. Oversubscribed. Yes. Well, that's
3: that's, uh, an appropriate term because that's what we say when – we got too much traffic uh, being requested on a network, it's oversubscribed. We so. are oversubscribed,
1: we, so we have some very difficult decisions to make um, from our office over the next few couple of months. Yeah. Uh, we have, you know, gone through kind of that initial review of applications and, you know, do you have all the documentation? We are using a, uh, everything is on a, a grant portal that we stood up and, you know, just doing those kind of things from, from the get-go, it, yeah. you know, takes a From scratch, that takes some time. It it really does. So, we have a a very sophisticated grant portal that we require everything to be uploaded to. Um, We have recently reached out to every applicant and asked for some clarifying information, and so that's the step we're on right now. And then we'll be scoring. We had to develop our our rubric how we were going to score all these applications. So, we are in the middle of reviewing those applications right now, Um, and it's going to just take us a little bit of time to get those all scored i think it's 157 wow. applications
4: Gee whiz.
1: Yeah. Uh, so yeah
3: uh all of the evaluation is being conducted by your team or are there any third parties involved? we
1: have some third parties involved that assist us so my team is a, a group of, of six and then we have one contractual employee that works with some uh, community engagement activities that we have But we have a third-party project manager, uh, Horn, local CPA group that that works all over the nation, uh, is our project manager. We have local attorneys who are our legal counsel. And so we will be working with them to make these determinations. Okay. All
3: right. So when do you expect you'll start awarding?
1: We hope to award... um, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm hesitant to say. Well, that's I'm, 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 I'm going to back off from from okay. making any projection, okay. but I will say this: we need to award as soon as possible because this is ARPA money, and these projects have to be complete by twelve thirty one of twenty six. Okay, so it's a two year project. We got to get it out the door as well, quick as we can.
3: I know folks are chomping at the bit to get that done. Uh, right
1: uh, they, <laughs> they are. They are. Appreciate
3: you coming in and sure. giving us an update.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Sally.
3: Sally Doty, Director of the Mississippi Office of Broadband Expansion and Accessibility, aka Beam. It's been our guest in the Ella well studio. We're coming right back. He
2: rocks in the treetops all the day long, hopping and a bopping and a singing song. All the little bears on deeper
4: Street. don't do the Robin. Go tweet, 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 rock and robin. tweet. and robin. No, rock and robin, come to really go to rock tonight. Tweet, 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 tweet.
3: this program.
0: Gerard Gibbert. Here we go. This is huge, huge, huge news. Huge, 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 huge news. Huge. You need to listen to this. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk Mississippi. Oh, mama, I can hear you a-crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hangman is coming down from the gallows and I don't have
3: a little sticks with the renegade bumping us into this segment here on a middays uh, we asked Sally Doty to stay over to talk about some other stuff. I'm sorry we didn't get to that, but uh, tell us what else that you wanted the folks to know about.
1: So I also want to talk about this BEAD funding, which really is the largest pot of funding that is coming. We're working on that CPF, awarding those grants now. But BEAD is the funding mechanism that really will bring service to the remainder of Mississippi. We intend to reach and believe we have the funding to reach every residential location in wow. Mississippi. Yeah. And as part of that, I said, you know, it's federal money, so it comes with some different steps that you have to walk through. So, every state is working through these steps right now, and we are required to produce a, an initial proposal. And Volume 1 of that initial proposal, which is due to the feds soon, we have completed and are going to put out for public comment. Hmm. And it involves a list of all unserved locations, a list of all underserved and served uh, now, that is, of course, n- n- not helpful looking at a, a bunch of numbers. So we are at the same time going to release a new map that will be on our website. All of this will be on our BEAM website, beamms.gov. Now, give me a couple of days. It's not going to be there till about <laughs> Thursday. But uh by, I think, Thursday, we will have our initial proposal up, which has the the – it talks about – um, not only the served and unserved locations, but then also defines a challenge process. So, if you look at that map and see that you are not served, uh, then it's appropriate for a challenge. Now, again, the the feds kind of define all this. So, a, an individual cannot challenge this. Um, it is hmm. it is a, a unit of local government, a nonprofit, or a a internet service provider who can challenge. The locations. Um, I expect, and have heard from a lot of nonprofits who are going to be busy in this field. Now, we think our map is pretty good. We ran a challenge process back in the spring prior to CPF, really among providers, kind of voluntarily. So, we think our map is is pretty good. But there are going to be some locations that are are difficult, and so that challenge process will be out there. we will have i I feel sure there will be nonprofits working in certain communities where there's some questions about yep. service and also this gives another chance for providers to make sure that their areas are represented accurately on our map okay
3: interesting and so uh, I hear this question a lot we talked about this uh, off the air during the break I hear this question a lot anytime someone's on the program discussing this subject of uh, rural broadband and, and extending service to areas presently not receiving service they all want to know when you know when when you come going to come get me I think two or three questions already on the ceasefire text line today how do you communicate that how can folks find out
1: so it is going to depend on when these grant funds are released and the for the bead money which is the large pot of money n- no state in the nation has that money released yet. We do not think that the feds will release that until over in the spring okay. and we expect to have our, our final proposal then with how we are going to reach everyone in the state uh, what what provider how, how that's going to happen at least the first round of it uh, by the spring or summer and then we will take off on construction and then our job At the BEAM office will be more of monitoring projects, and and we'll have an army of accountants and compliance monitors, but we will be watching all of that, all those projects as they're built out and make sure that they build out to all locations and that those locations get the speeds that are required. Okay. Um, We have 25 electric co-ops in the state, is that right? We do, and of the 25, 17 are building out, and so that has really uh, propelled our state forward. So a lot of our most rural areas are... Cover now or will be covered. I know Delta Electric is working extremely hard in the Mississippi Delta, and they have committed to covering their entire service area. So if you're a customer of Delta Electric... Uh, At some point over the next few years, uh, you will be covered with with fiber broadband service. Okay. And uh, they've they've got a couple of CPF applications in. I know they'll be applying for BEAD as well. So um, we have a large area of unserved in southwest Mississippi. I live in Brookhaven. It's a big issue down there. And there is a provider that has already received federal funding through ARDOF that we talked about earlier who hadn't has hadn't started building yet, but they have some deadlines coming up, so they have a project that's starting they're applying for additional funding so I think we are really on the move and are going to see a tremendous amount of work over the next couple of years. What about
3: traditional telecom carriers? Uh, Are they eligible to participate in this as well? Uh,
1: They are. They are. Uh, Because it hasn't
3: uh, always been the case, has it? And um, there've been some stipulations under the old USDA grants where maybe they couldn't meet all the requirements. I'm trying to recall. There's been a few years, but.
1: I think, uh, you know, it's it's more about the service. So okay. Can you, can you provide the, the service? And, okay. And quite honestly, Gerard, uh, it's do you, do you want to?
3: Do you want to? Because That's right. Because
1: these are such low-density areas. Sometimes it's only maybe three houses per mile. And then what if one of those says, oh, I don't care anything about the Internet? You know, so then you only have two uh customers perhaps per mile so it, the cost to reach out into the rural areas has just been too high
3: it's a very long payback period it on is. the initial investment uh, but then you've also got, as you and I talked about, yeah. you've got the ongoing cost of keeping all that stuff up and running all the time.
1: You do, and uh, you know, a tree if it's aerial fiber, uh, a tree limbs down on it, you got to roll a truck out there. I mean, so there are tremendous costs associated with this. But by putting this capital cost in, you know, hopefully that is going to draw providers out into our rural areas, yeah. and uh, we're committed to finding a, that that. That provider for every every area in the state of Mississippi. Okay.
3: So uh, is it fair to say the goal is uh, to, to achieve complete coverage?
1: It is, to complete coverage across the state. Now, we have some areas that we've identified as extremely high-cost locations, Okay, over, say, $15,000 to reach those locations. And the rules of this BEAD program allow there to be alternative technology, mm-hmm. whether that might be some fixed wireless we might could subsidize something for them <laughs> you know satellite wireless as well is that possible um uh, we're i'm waiting on some clarification okay. from okay. that on the feds okay but you know it doesn't make sense to spend a hundred thousand dollars to reach one or two locations
3: absolutely right so and that's about what it costs in some cases when you're trenching fiber and then terminating it as well so it does. it's very expensive
1: it does but i would encourage um you know you to have to be if if you have a community that you believe is is unserved underserved to really watch for an effort in your area, um, okay. there will be some information pushed down from your uh, local community local government um, on how you could participate in this challenge process yeah anything
3: Sally you need from the legislature at this point?
1: there are some um conflicting um statements or or rules within our legislation, the Beam Act and then the Fed. So so you may need a little clarification coming up. We may need a little clarification. Yes. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, who are you working with now in the legislature that's uh, responsible for that?
1: Well, you know, we, I'm, I'm don't, know with right the, we now, don't know right <laughs> now, yeah, you know, public utilities and <laughs> yeah. in, in the House, Scott Bounds has has been a tremendous okay. leader in all things broadband, and, and then my friend Joel Carter, Senator Carter, is chair of energy, energy in yeah. the Senate. But mm-hmm. you know, it, those will probably yeah, change. We don't
3: know if that's going to be the committees case. committees so usually change once so we come we'll back. See. With,
1: with, the good uh, news is I, I know most of those folks. Yeah, I, I served for ten years. Yeah, so sure. I, um, comfortable with them and 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 we really are looking at what how we can kind of reconcile there is a statement in the state statute that allows federal law to prevail but mm-hmm. I would like some clarification
3: okay in terms of the projects which have been completed have have you been pleased with the performance of the ECAs
1: and so forth heck yeah you know
3: it's it's fiber
1: yeah. it's fast
3: <laughs> but well yeah. I, let me let me restate that uh, I shouldn't use the word performance um, what I mean by performance in completing the project as opposed to performance of the actual yes. uh, bandwidth itself
1: yes the ePAs um, really moved pretty fast because they were using aerial fiber yeah. Um, it is a little slower with uh, entities that are using buried fiber, yeah. and uh, because you have some different permits, you've got an architectural permit, you've got to get a, or I loving, mean, and then there's some environmental permits. So you know, it it is not necessarily a certain provider as it is maybe a certain location.
4: Okay, it in the state
1: that might cause more of more. a challenge. There's yeah. a you know there's a railroad track you got to cross yeah. or a sure. river or something. So there, there are challenges all around.
3: Egress. Points, I yeah. think we call them so yeah <laughs> to deal with but all that we're stuff. working
1: on all of those and and it's just really exciting to be a part of this effort yeah okay
3: well it sounds like uh, things are well underway and And uh, where can people go to find out? I know some stuff's under construction, but where can they go Uh, to find out more? By
1: by Thursday, beam.ms.gov. And I think the most instructive will be that map that is up, the bead map. You can look at the map and and see. You can pull up your own location, your own address. And that's going to be maintained real-time, right? Yes, real-time. You can look at your address, see who your providers are, what speeds they offer. And this is all information that has been reported by the providers. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. All right,
3: Sally. Glad you you stayed to give us more information. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, we're coming right back with a final segment on middays from the Element Well studio.
0: Gerard Gibbert. Going beyond the headlines, breaking down the stories that matter to Mississippi. Middays with Gerard on Super Talk, Mississippi.
3: Oh, could he use a few pounds. Bob Seger bumping us into I this segment, points. the final one on this Tuesday of middays. We are with you in the Element Wealth studio, and Rhino's going to give away some tickets.
2: Well, I'm not going to give them away, but I'm going to tell you how you can get some. Because okay. Hardy and Laney are coming to the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and Missis- and Super Talk Mississippi is giving you a chance to see them live. Winners will get a pair of tickets to the show, plus you get a limo ride to and from the concert. A night stay at the Beau Rivage and a guitar autographed by Hardy. All you got to do is visit one of our registration boxes located throughout the Magnolia State. Fill in your name and your contact information. You got to be 21 or older to enter and be listening to your local Super Talk stations or go to supertalk.fm forward slash Hardy to find a registration box near you. There you go.
3: Um, on the ceasefire text line, let's see, what happened over there shows how important our Second Amendment is. Well, I, I think there's some, some truth to that, but let's be honest. The, the um, weapons that an individual would have in their home would be no match for bombs raining down from the sky. Uh, they might be of aid in some sort of um, hand-to-hand confrontation i guess but the video i've seen it's usually multiple uh members of these groups that uh, essentially ambush a house start shooting it up from the outside and then and then barge into it and just start shooting like crazy now i guess there could be some situations where one could protect themselves uh, in the house, but it it seems like they got it pretty well planned and orchestrated to do whatever the heck they want. I don't think, um, I don't know how valuable it would have been when that stuff was going on at the at the concert, the music fest, because I think a lot of that was also coming from bombs coming in. So, but yeah, it's uh it's crazy stuff. Believe if God would have meant for all of us to pile up in and live in the same place, he wouldn't have built the other places and put all the water between us. That's an interesting uh, thought there. Uh, let's see here. What else we had? Ricky and Aberdeen said these people at the concert could have used protect- protective pistols. Uh, again, I, I guess so, but um, my guess is that these bad guys had all sorts of uh, extremely powerful weaponry that um, would allow them to do whatever the heck they wanted um, that a pistol couldn't protect against, is uh, likely to be the case. Let's see here, uh, what did Don say? Oh, yes, so Don, I hope we got your question answered there about when can we expect to get broadband... At, uh, in, in this area here, he's asking about Highway 22, Hines-Madison County Line. Sounds like that we'll be able to refer to the website here in a couple of days to see the map and find out the status of all those projects going on there. But I'm um, watching the tube here. looks like we're maybe getting ready for the president to finally say something.
2: only about an hour late.
3: I don't get it. It's par for the course. Yeah. In, it's sort of incredible. Uh, that we still hadn't seen anything. Philip in Walthall County says, Hitler also said racial purity in German, or racial hygiene, talking about eugenics, where he sought to produce this pure Aryan race through breeding. Uh, that's the what that concept's all about. Interesting. Uh, I never did find out from Brian and Madison... What uh, actually is Brian in Gluckstadt? We need to make a change there. He he informed us lights and sirens blew pla- uh, past Gluckstadt too. He says so. I don't know what's going on. Really don't. Uh, yeah. So folks were suggesting what I, the word I was looking for was genocide. No, this isn't. This isn't about um, murdering. Uh, humans. That would be genocide where you're trying to... Well, that's what they were doing with the Jews. Yeah, I agree with that. That could be described as genocide uh, certainly that Hitler sought to just eradicate uh, the uh, Jewish people from the planet. sure feels like that's what Hamas is trying to do. In fact, they've come out and said yeah, we're here to kill Jews. That's what it's all about. But the eugenics is this process of trying to create this sort of purpose-bred human race, if you will. Uh, let's see. Did you hear that Hamas beheaded 40 babies, says Larry and Miles. Yeah, we did, Larry, and, and reported that earlier. It's despicable. It's unthinkable, honestly. And I I can't imagine anything more evil than that. It's, it's hard to fathom that there would be. I I don't see how humans can harbor that Kind of hate for other humans. I mean, you really got to have strong hate. You've got to be possessed by the devil himself to go behead innocent babies. Anybody to start with, but especially babies? I I can't comprehend it. We are out of here today. We thank you so much for joining us. We're back with you again tomorrow. Until then, stay safe and God bless everyone.